At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. So we got a different kind of podcast. This one here is, what do you call a co-podcast, a pod swap, a, a podcast uh, trade-off? Because I recorded with Bill Spohn from True Tech Tools. And Bill's an interesting guy because he's into all kinds of stuff. He owns True Tech Tools. He tells us about his past. He tells us about his home that he built. It's a modular home, and it's it's a very cool house, and he explains it to us. And, and I talk about sort of my past and why I got into business ownership recently so it's a good conversation and bill's an awesome guy very knowledgeable so stay tuned guys this is the hvac know-it-all podcast i'm your host gary mccready this podcast is sponsored by the master group and recently i demoed the all temp universal pressure switch that you can pick up from one of their locations basically what it is is a pressure switch that's positive negative or dual um, and it goes from 0.1 to 10 inches water column it comes with a range of springs color-coded and basically what you do is choose the range of spring you want install it and then you got to set it up and in order to set it up you need like a, a device a manometer or that, that can or, or a device that can uh, create some slight pressure or a vacuum so you can dial it into what you need that is per as per the instructions right so if you're carrying around universal parts this might be one that you can have on your truck just in case of emergency so on and so forth so check those out at master group check out master.ca Cintas has come aboard as a podcast sponsor they've been around for 90 some odd years providing services to many industries they also provide uniforms which is a bonus to anyone that's looking for uniforms for their team so they have this comfort flex pro brand that i've sampled and it's breathable it's stretchy if you've ever worn stretchy material stretchy clothes it's a lot more comfortable especially when you're bending lifting so on and so forth so there's a landing page to check out if you're looking for uniforms for your your techs or whoever you have running around in your team out there the landing page is cintas.com forward slash HVAC know it all. Check it out, guys. Welcome to the HVAC know it all podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. I should say welcome back too, Gary. Oh, well, well, welcome back, everybody. <laughs> welcome back. This is a different episode. We haven't done one of these in a while. Um, so we're doing a, a joint pod swap um, podcast episode on both building HVA science and on? Uh, I guess we're doing it on uh, HVAC, Know-It-All, and myself, uh, Gary yeah. McCready. I, I'm, I guess I'm your guest. You, you actually asked me to be part of your podcast podcast. Uh, and and I appreciate the opportunity. So I think Bill and I just came up with an idea. We're going to interview each other on this podcast yeah. and we're going to split it up and it's going to go out on both of our channels, which is, a, I think it's a cool idea. Sure. And uh, kind of like cross fertilize the, the listener base. Exactly. So um, why don't you go first and give me a little bit of your, your background and like summarize it up to the point where, you know, what, what's your latest uh, and greatest endeavor? Yeah, so I, I've been in the industry for since I was 18 years old, and wow. I'm not afraid to reveal my age. I'm 43 years old, so 25 years, and the first two years was in school, pre-apprenticeship school, and then I spent 22 years with the, the same company, pretty much, 22 years about, and um, it was all commercial work, so school... Um, right into a company that did commercial work. I did a little bit of residential while I was in school in the summers and, and stuff like that. I didn't really like it all that much going into people's homes. Cause I broke, I broke a window. Oh, somebody's <laughs> I broke some lady's window with a, with a piece of gas pipe. 
And uh, I almost broke my jaw with that with a hammer drill because I'd never used a hammer drill before. And the guy I was working was like, here, just go through that wall with the hammer drill. And I'm like, it got stuck in the wall and it actually swung back and hit me across the chin. And oh. I'm like, I, I should have, I, I, I was probably concussed, I, I would imagine. But anyway, um, fast paced, I, I got really bored with, with my life in, um, in the trade because it seemed so repetitive, the same customers. Uh, so, and, I, and I had a bit of a creative side to me. So I decided to create a blog named it HVAC Know-It-All. I took a lot of heat for that. Mm-hmm. But to explain to you and your audience, it's a very sarcastic name based on many, many different things, based on a bit of humor, based on some of the the conversations I've had with people that will never admit they don't, they don't know, and they'll just yeah. make stuff up. And, um, and, and the fact that the mission is to a- attempt, you'll never know it all, but attempt to know as much as you possibly can. And collectively within a group, there's always somebody that knows something you don't. So collectively in a group, maybe you could know it all collectively, but not individually because there's no possible way for that to happen. And um, fast forward to this week where I just actually started my own business, which took nine months in the making. So uh, nine months planning, and that was partly due to the fact that I had to wait nine months on a vehicle to be uh, ready. So oh, wow. that's that's kind of the fast track story. Cool. Um and you operate out of where where do you work from? Where so I'm in Canada. I'm in the Toronto area. Uh most of my work in, in my life in the, in the trade has been in the greater Toronto area, just outside of Toronto in in the hub of the city too, but I live I live about an hour and 20 minutes north or so of the city. So I I have or I did have a commute um quite a bit and Lately, I've I've been working really close to home the last couple of days. I had a, my first call for service call was 10 minutes north and I'm doing a, an install that is five minutes down the road for me, uh, next week. So it's that, 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 that aspect I like it's going into residential now and kind of teetering both, um, which I'm not really used to, but I like the fact that I can drive up to a driveway and pop out of my van. And I'm literally like 10 steps away from the machine because I've yeah. never had that before. Different, different world. So want to hear about my background? I do. I, I do want to hear, I, I know that you were with Testo and yeah, you started True Tech Tools and all that kind of stuff. And I, I would love to hear how that all came about. Sure. So I, my, my trainings as an engineer, but I had this, uh, interest in starting my own business since I was in high school and uh, worked for uh, Eastman Kodak company for a while, uh, worked for a company called Fisher Scientific Lab Instruments, then worked for Backrack actually for 10 years, and then Superior Valve making uh, refrigeration valves mm-hmm. uh, for a couple years, and then Testo for 10 years. And then at um, partway through my experience at Testo, uh, met Jim Bergman, who attended a trade show that some of our people were at and he started asking a lot of questions and he wouldn't stop asking questions. So they turned him over <laughs> to me <laughs> and uh, we, we developed, he developed, he had this insane thirst for knowledge about how to do testing correctly. Uh-huh. And that's, that's when I say like, he really like blossomed from, you know, some real basic learning into being kind of what he's doing today, which is just real brilliance with between measure quick and, having developed on manifold and all that. So he, his dad, actually, he and his dad started true tech. Um, and they were like, Hey, what should we carry in inventory? Um, like after they got this thing started, I'm like, well, let me take a look at things. So I I was like sort of their business advisor for about a year, a little bit more than a year. And then it really shot up and it grew really fast. And his dad was like, Hey, I wanted to make this a retirement hobby, not another job. So at that point, um, his dad's like, I think this is worth something I could sell it. And I'm like, well, hang on a second. So his son and I bought out the majority of his shares and then we were, we were co-owners uh, until 2014. And then Eric Preston came in and bought out his dad's shares. So Eric and I are now co-owners since 2014. Nice. That's yeah. so it, it's a different type of like, what do you, do you know, what sparked the idea of true tech tools? Cause it's sort of different. It's not your traditional brick and mortar type. You yeah. walk in and, and 
you know, you, you have a smoke and you, you, you sit down on the stool for an hour. It, it's not that kind of place. It's more like a, an e-commerce type type. Yeah, business, definitely. Right? It, it, it was, I always say it was born out of frustration. It was like Jim and I shared this frustration sort of from different angles, but we, he, he became where all these test instruments is like these things answer a lot of problems, a lot of questions. And I've been working in that field since Backrack since 1988. And it's like mm-hmm. not enough people use these kind of tools. What the heck's the matter with people? And so it was this frustration. So we thought there's a, probably a big enough audience nationwide to support a store, but there's not enough audience locally to support a store that just focuses on test instruments. I gotcha. So it had to be e-commerce. Um, and it started in the, 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 the launch was actually in April, 2007. So it was almost exactly 15 years ago that it launched and it's e-commerce was still pretty new. I mean, there's been websites and e-commerce out there probably since the mid nineties or late nineties. So it was about 10 years into it, but things really exploded uh, in the last five years, of course, with, with e-commerce. Mm-hmm. So it's born out of frustration. Yeah. And I, I have a, a question for you regarding how you, cause right now, mm-hmm. and you guys were, I would say true tech tools was one of the first or not maybe the first to start using the, I guess air quotes, the influence, the HVAC influencer, because you guys started to work with Steven Rarden. Yeah. First, he's like kind of the OG, right. Of, yeah. Of, of some of this and whose idea was it to to reach out to somebody that's making videos and say hey let's send this guy some stuff and see what he can do um i, I think it just came as a polite request from steven and i want oh, to say came from him okay yeah i want to say it was like 2012 or 2013 um pro- probably it's like sort of like the the og of the the community mm-hmm. was hvac pro talk which was okay. a, a BBS, a, you know, bulletin board service. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know if you know what that means. <laughs> that's, that's pretty ancient stuff. Um, but it, it, it was, uh, it's, it, people had, you know, this, this huge kind of community of uh, sharing ideas, concepts, topics, uh, Q&A, a lot of what happens on the different Facebook pages, but it was like the place for things to happen. Um and I actually had a conversation with somebody today, Eric Kaiser, and we were recalling when we first met. And we met um, because there was, it was called HVAC Pro Tech Forum run by a guy named Tony Berlin, who has since passed away. And Eric and I met in 2006. So this is probably like 2003, maybe 2002, when Tony started this Pro Tech Forum. So there was there were some like rumblings in like a different, sort of like a, you know, like a tiger of different spots or a pretty of different spots yeah. uh, of people seeking community. Uh, and it's really advanced in the last few years to do that. So yeah, I think Stephen just, I, I can almost remember, like visualize where I was when I first talked to him. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I like your videos. I like your approach. I like your style. And he's like, can we work on something together? So that's, that's how it started. Mm-hmm. So that that I, I guess you started to use more of like how many how many uh i, I guess I, I hate using the word influencer i don't know what it is mm-hmm. about that word i just i just i just don't like it but it is it is what it is so how many yeah. influencer type people is true tech tools using to date now from I from that one there's probably about 10 that we're in correspondence with and maybe four to five that are really more active mm-hmm Okay, and, and it it just and it's all different kinds of things. Like, um, you know, a lot of it's they, they want to be able to gauge their audience. So we do the coupon code thing and the influencer coupon code, and that allows them to track things. Um, so that that allows you know them them to get some kind of benefit from working for with us, and then we get some benefit from working for them where our name gets out there. But it is. Um, I wouldn't say it's approaching saturation, but now we're like a little bit more, a little bit more scrutiny when we pick somebody. It's like, okay, what's what's the difference here? What's not already covered or t- or taken care of with a, you know mm-hmm. an audience group or an approach? Mm-hmm. Okay, I I got one more question about this, and then you yeah. can f- fire back at me. So, how have you found that this pool of of influencers has helped your business in? 
in just getting the name out there in, in, in the growth in, in sales, how are you finding that has helped? I, I think it's helped a, a great deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I give a lot of credit because I mean, what the objective is, we stay top of mind. However, even though we're just top of mind, you know, by mentioned or, or whatever, we still have to fulfill on our promise to be good to the customer. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's sort of like a, a warm introduction, but then we, we can't be introduced to a group of people and then let them down. Mm-hmm. So it requires a work on our part, but that's, you know, that's our goal is we, we, you know, we, um, one of our sort of our internal mottos is we want to be the least hassle for our customers day because, and I think part of it's through influencers and just paying attention to social media that we, I, th- I think we know, I can't say fully appreciate, but I think we know to a certain extent what it can be like to be a technician with all the different pressures that, that come your way okay. um, from the client, from the dispatcher, from the boss, from traffic, <laughs> from the, the parts not being in stock in the parts house to, you know, a flat tire to just, you know, the dog at your biting your heels as you're walking up to the door, all these things, we don't want to be another hassle in your day. So we just try to be as smooth as possible. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I say that to a lot of people I, I work with too. And because uh, I have partners within the, the, the industry and I always make it clear to them. I said, I'm not here to sell your products. I'm here to mm-hmm. showcase them and show people how to use them and what they're for and, and how I like to use them. But it's up to you to sell your product. It's not up to me to sell it. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I, I will, I will take it and use it and demo it and stuff. But at, when they land on your website, I mean, it's now up to you, like you were saying, um, to really focus in on that customer and make sure that you treat them well and, and, and they'll come back right for repeat business. Yeah. One, one of our things that we stress, it's actually in our core values is clarity, mm-hmm. clarity of communication, like how many are in stock? What, what are your shipping options? What's the price? What are the details on the product? You know, what goes along with it? Just being absolutely queer, clear and fast about that communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it make, makes a ton of sense. So I'm going to flip that question back at you. Who are your influencers? Who, who shaped the Gary that I'm uh, talking to now? How can we have a podcast about True Tech Tools and Bill Spohn without mentioning our promo code or coupon code for True Tech Tools, which is know-it-all. That will save you 8% on your purchases at checkout. The other code we have through the podcast is for emotorsdirect.ca. That's also another 8% savings when you order a motor or a motor accessory. Uh, The code for that is HVAC know-it-all. So company cam guys, we've talked about this before. It is an app that allows you to get your jobs in line and get all of the information for a job into one place on a cloud so everybody can access it. So there's no looking for pictures, scrolling through emails and texts and all that, trying to find information. It lands in one place and it stays there. So everybody on that job can grab a hold of it and check it out. Um, So the other thing we're going to talk about here is JB Warranties, podcast sponsor for the last six months or so. JB Warranties helps out their customers by providing a service for their customers to give to their customers, which is warranty protection that outlasts the OEM warranty. So if a compressor dies um, in 12 years, right, after the, the, the OEM warranty of 10. Well, if you have something in place with JB warranties, that 12 year uh, death of that compressor can be covered. And the labor is covered and the turnaround time on claims is about 14 days. So check them out. Y- guys, yesterday I experimented with the Supco. This is the Trade Fox tech- technician invented tool. This is a uh, refrigeration line cleaner basically what it is is a some a bunch of fittings a net and these things called pigs are like foam and yet you, you blast it down the line and it scrapes the inside of the pipe wall to get rid of any debris or any buildup of oil whatever's in that system it's actually a good alternative to flush components which are kind of nasty but you can also add flush components with this if you like uh, so check that out the other thing i want to bring up is a lot of people say that anybody or a monkey can press a trigger, pull a trigger. And, I, and I'm speaking about press for refrigeration. Well, Paul Schubert, president of RLS, has been showing some images lately of people that are not doing press correctly. 
just like anything, flaring, swaging, brazing, soldering, there is a method, there's a process, and if you don't follow it, you're going to have issues. So it's not just a monkey. There is a process, there is education involved, and there's a right way to do things. So guys, if you're pressing, make sure you understand how to press and don't just jump in. That's what RTFM stands for, right? We got to read that manual. Anyway, let's get back to Bill. You know what? Uh, quite there. We talked about, I was on, um, we did a live uh, with Trevor Matthews last night and we just did some basic refrigeration chat and we had about a hundred or so texts on there and it was pretty nice. cool. We, this is the second one we did. And um, I was talking at the end of that about positive influential people that don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be within the trade you're in, just people no, that are positive influential people within your life. And I've listened to people like, I remember going through, I go through phases. I went through a Tony Robbins phase and I watched a bunch of Tony Robbins videos. I found it really uplifting and I listened to um, a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk, um, mm-hmm. kind of on the same level as Tony, but a, a bit of a different sort of, he, he, he has a different spin to it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I've listened to a lot of, I, I don't read a lot because I find at the end of the day, my eyes are just too, too tired to read and I'll read a few pages and I'll put a book down and I'll never get back to it. So I've been finding that I've been listening to a lot of books lately um, as I drive and, and most of the books I listen to, they're not, they're not, um, they're not stories. They're, they're like, they're not fictional stories, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're real life stuff of, of motivational um not always motivational, but uh, for instance, I, I read a book or listened to a book called The Art. I think it's called The Art of Negotiating. I can't remember the exact title, but it's, mm-hmm. I think it's an FBI, former FBI agent. And he's talking about how to negotiate with people. Um, and I listened to that to, to try to hone down negotiation skills when you, anybody, we're talking to anybody, talking to my kids, talking to mm-hmm. my wife, talking to customers, talking to um, people at the supply house. You know, you know what I mean? Hey, throw, throw that in for me, which, <laughs> right. Just, I don't know. I just, I just really get a lot of, I, I feel like I get a lot out of um, listening to, to stuff like that, just from people that have been there and done it. And they're giving you the, the advice because they've been in that position already. And you can learn a lot from that. So anything that's real life, I, I'm, I'm really, um, I'm really focused on. One of our, um, good friends in the industry, I don't know if you know him, Steve Kasha he does customer um, service training. I, I don't, I don't think so. No. Yeah. He, he's really great. Um, he's come in to train our team a couple of times, but he, he mostly trains customer service teams for HVAC service contractors. Uh, one of the things, one of our, people made a comment on when he came in the last time for training is we, we had everybody go through, even people in the warehouse go through, cause we looked at it like life skills, that, mm-hmm. that negotiation, that communication, yeah. the listening before you act kind of thing just can be a good life skill. Um, just, you know, interacting with people in the public, interacting with family members, things like that. So, you know, there, there are definitely different, you know, uh, influences that they don't always have to be the technical influences. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And, and I try, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't really have a lot of influence influencers in this trade mm-hmm. that, and I say that because I, I do when I don't, I say, I say that because, because I have a brand of my own. I feel that if I'm listening to everybody else, I feel like it might influence the way I approach things where I like to try to approach things in my own way. And I don't, so I kind of operate in a vacuum that way, where if I listen to five podcasts about um, HVAC refrigeration today, um, maybe I'll just start saying things and rhyming off things that I heard them say, where I don't really want my content to be that way. I want it to be my sort of thoughts and, and my ideas. You know what I mean? And I feel that could influence that, not in a negative way, but just in a way where it's not, it's not totally me that's, that's coming out. It's, it's influence from other people. And that's not mm-hmm. always a bad thing. It's just, that's kind of the way I like to do it. I just like to operate sort of in a vacuum that way. So yeah. I, I get my influence from, I guess, non-technical people, I, I would say. And, and I just kind of visit outside the realm of the trade when I'm trying to get some motivation for myself. Mm-hmm. 
So what got you to uh, start your own business? Is it an idea that's been brewing for a while? or? Um, you know, you know what, Bill, I, I've discovered probably a long, long time ago that I really don't like taking <laughs> direction from other people. <laughs> me, me neither. I don't like taking direction from other people. I can do it and I can bite my lip cause I have a lot of patience as a, as a human being in general, but I do not like it. Uh, there's just, I just had so many ideas, so many things I wanted to implement. Um, every, everything, Th- think about every aspect of a business, uniforms, the, the truck you drive, the software you use, the tools you use. I, I wanted to choose all that for myself, right? Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to be me. I wanted to show who I am in this industry and not be part of an entity that tells me what to do. Right. And, and that was, that's really what made my, my decision. I just, I came to, to a fork, um, last summer I had friends that I had a friend that was starting I had a friend that started a business a couple of years back. He's doing wildly successful. He's just a one man show with, with an apprentice, but doing really well. Um, I had a friend that he's, he's worked in, in the business for many years, but his boss wants out of the company. So he bought into it. Now he's buying the company. I'm, I'm getting motivation from just talking to my friends that are in business for themselves. And, um, I, I just came to this, this fork and, I felt that through the brand that I created, HVAC Know It All, it gave me a bunch of resources that I didn't have five years ago. And that thought process, coupled with the resources that I had created through this brand, I'm like, it's it's at this point for me, it's it's a no brainer. If I don't do it, I'm going to regret yeah. it. And that's right. that's what that's I just pulled the trigger, and that was it. And I, I used to feel a lot of stress when I was working for other people. Like I wasn't getting everything done, the right stuff done or whatever, you know, some kind of plan or was something wasn't achieving. And, and even though like, sort of like, and I share the weight with Eric, I will say that, but you know, there, there are like 20 people that depend on us Mm -hmm. to, to, to not screw things up, Mm -hmm. but that, that weight doesn't feel the same in terms of stress on me. And, And it's because the, the big, the great thing is everything's in your control and the crappy thing is everything's under your control too. And all mm-hmm. your decisions make, make a difference. But, mm-hmm. um, I, I think the, you know, we, we try, we started out small, you know, literally that like when I came out in the business, it was, um, myself and, um, Robin, Jim Bergman's wife working full time and his dad working part time. And then we sort of, we started to grow from there. But when it was very small, it was like, you know, I'm answering the phone. I'm entering the order. Uh, Robin's packing the boxes. Jim's checking the order. So it's, um, I, I think growing with a business, like growing your own business, it it gives you a certain sense of, you know, certainly sense of pride, but also a, an inside track to to knowing how it should be built again with those personal preferences you talked about from sort of the outward things the the truck, the tools, the uniforms, things like that, but also the inward things like how do you comport yourself? How do you respond to customers? Uh, what are your, um, your internal philosophies for dealing with customers? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And, and I think what you said, answering the phones, uh, inputting orders, it's funny you say that because, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm answering the phone. I'm going to training. I'm repairing machinery. I'm inputting uh, receipts into my app. And I was just showing my wife how to, because I'm going to get her to do that stuff for mm-hmm. me because I will go berserk. So we sat down at the kitchen table and I'm like, okay, this is how you get into the app. You hit this expense tab. You, you pick the, the accounting code. You take a picture of the receipt. You put the total in. And now she's on board. She, she's got it. But because I'm going through the motions as a new business owner and hitting all those steps, uh, like personally hitting all those steps, I know how the business runs from the ground. Uh, so once I get five years down the road, 10 years down the road, I'm going to know like, okay, everything that there is to know about the business. And that's different from somebody coming in uh, that's say the business has been built and somebody comes in just because they got a lot of money and they want to invest and they just buy it. 
and now they sit at a desk and make decisions. Well, they don't know how that business was built, so right. they don't have the inside track. And like you were saying, so you mentioned the blog HVAC Know It All. It's mm-hmm. is that did that come about before the the podcast and then the app? How did how did those things sequence out? It okay, it sequenced out and. It sequenced out from being on Facebook and being on a particular <laughs> particular uh, Facebook page that everybody knows that it's just all um, bad jobs and bashing each other and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I'm like, there's got to be a way to flip the script here and do something positive. There has to be. And I'm like, I've, I've always loved photography. In high hmm. school, I did photography. In high school, I did graphic art. In high school, I did um, video editing and stuff like that. I was never like the best at it, but I enjoyed it. Uh, so I, I've always had a bit of create a bit of a creative side. So I said, I'm going to start a blog and I posted this on LinkedIn maybe about a month ago. And it was a picture of, uh, Kevin Costner in the movie field of dreams. I think it was mm-hmm. a picture of him or it was a picture of Ray Liotta who played, um, shoeless, shoeless Joe, I think it was anyway. My whole mentality around it was if you build it, they will come. That was just what I kept saying over and over in my head. If you build it, they will come. So I just made a Facebook page. Uh, I, I sat and, and literally sat for a couple of weeks trying to think of a name. And I'm like, what should it be? HVAC guy, HVAC dude. Um, and I know I know some people don't say HVAC. They say HVAC. But up here in Canada, it seems like we say everyone says HVAC. So it was like, it just, I just said, hit me one day. I'm like, HVAC, no at all. I said to my wife, she's like, are you sure that you want to mm-hmm. call yourself that? And I'm like, no, I'm not calling me that. I'm calling the brand that yeah, uh, because of this and because of that, and because of this. And for basically about a year, I had to explain to people what it meant because <laughs> it was, I, I got targeted because of it. And I had, I went through a lot of bad experiences because of it, hmm. um, because of that name that I've spoke about before, but. I got over it and, and I just, and I just moved on. So yeah, it was, it was a blog on Facebook first and then it transitioned into Instagram and LinkedIn. And, um, I kind of set milestones for myself. It was like, if I get a thousand or five, I can't remember the number I set, but if I get 500 followers, I'm going to get a logo because now it's legitimizing. Right. Like if I get a thousand followers, I'm going to look into a website and then it just, there was, I saw Instagram. I'm like, I better get on that. Cause it's, it seems to be a legit platform. And it just, any, anytime I saw an opportunity, I just kind of went for it. And, and, and that was it. And, and that's one of the motivational points I get from a guy like Gary Vaynerchuk. He's like, if you're half decent at something, you don't have to be the best. If you're half decent at something, mm-hmm. it's what you're doing already. Double down on it and go all in. And I took that to heart and I just yeah. went for it. And I, th- I think it's um, building. They will come. That's like a, an element of faith mm-hmm. that that you have. It's like you have uh, you have a concept that you think resonates because you've got enough experience and you've talked to enough people. I think that's the same thing with True Tech. We did a build it and they will come kind of thing. Um, n- now one of our, our internal phrases is stock it and they will buy because things are so hard to find <laughs> right. anymore. Yeah. So, so we we just make sure we have a lot of stuff in stock and. Our purchasing manager just said we hit a, a milestone in inventory level the other day. Wow, um, good for you! But, but um, yeah, we we try to again make it the least hassle, communicate what we got, and, and take care of people. And it does take faith. I mean, there's you know people's livelihoods, inventory, you know, loans, all those kinds of things at, at stake here. It's, but but you know, have, having that faith and having a um, a perspective uh, that you care about your customers. Um, and, and we also care about our vendors and employees, of course, but our vendors is kind of like a little different element in our mix um, where we, we look out for vendors, you know, um, see something bad, something going amiss online. Uh, we'll, we'll try to, you know, step in there and help customer through it or make sure the vendor gets involved because um, sometimes things can spiral out of control. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I've, I've definitely seen it spiral spiral out of control with many different products and and i always kind of behind the scenes i'm like hey um we're talking about your product on so and so 
uh, thread here on, on this platform. And there's people that are saying things that might not be true. If you want, uh, jump in and, and, and rectify these things. And, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of times that's happened and it's actually settled the conversation down. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just even the interest that, that you can help bring the vendor to the table. But one, one thing I was thinking about, you mentioned all those different social media channels. Do, do you have somebody helping you with that or is that just all? No, scary? <laughs> it's just, wow. it's just all me, man. It's, it's, it's been crazy. Uh, it's, it's really, I've kind of developed, uh, I guess a method where it just kind of intertwines into my life at this point. And in, in the beginning, it was difficult because you're trying to learn how these platforms work. But mm. for instance, it's a lot of my content repeats itself across the platforms because the audiences are different. Right. right. Um, so a lot of times it's like the same picture, copy and paste the, the caption and it's just platform after platform, the five platforms in a row, just post, post, post. And then you reach everybody. Um, uh, there's, there's obviously going to be an overlap. You know what I mean? Let, let's take Facebook, for example. So let's say Facebook might have 25% of my audience on Facebook is probably also on Instagram, just as mm-hmm. an example number. Right. But at the same time, even though they might see it twice, you're still reaching a wider range of an audience than if you were just to post it on on one because I'm lately I'm finding that even the the generations are on different platforms. Like Facebook seems to be kind of the, the, the generation where it's the older texts and stuff like that. Instagram's Mm kind of like the, the gen X, maybe some millennials. And then TikTok is like gen Z kind of, or what's, what's after gen Z. I I can't remember all all the the, the generations, (laughs) but, (laughs) and then LinkedIn is kind of more, a professional conversation, professional back and forth. And yeah. it's a lot more respectful in that manner where Instagram's like, yo, what's up, bro? Like fist bump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Facebook's a lot of uh, yammering. A lot of back flame and icons forth. and stuff. And- <laughs> yeah. And, and fa- Facebook's a lot of arguing and, and negativity oh, a lot of times. I don't, I don't, it's, it's, it's every platform's got their own sort of um, identity. And, and that's how I describe them is like Facebook's the older crowd. You want to get into a fight? Go to Facebook. Yeah. Um, Instagram is camaraderie. TikTok's new, and it's kind of. I, I'm just kind of getting used to TikTok. It's growing fast. It's it's a good platform for, for even True Tech tools to be on. It just started off as dancing and and silly videos and stuff like that, but it's actually growing into a more legit platform for other kind of stuff too. And um. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a wild ride, but I've intertwined it into my kind of daily life. Mm-hmm. So what keeps you producing content or where, where do you reach for, or where, where does it come from? It, it just comes from my daily, my daily experiences pretty much mm-hmm. like it, it. That's exactly where it comes from. If I'm on a job, um, literally I'll just set my phone up and that's, that's where it comes from. Or if I see uh, an opportunity for a cool looking picture, I'll, I'll snap it. And I'm already standing there on the job site. It's not like it takes any effort to do it, right? right? You're already standing there. You're pulling a vacuum. You're sitting there maybe just tidying up or waiting. You just take out your phone and go and snap it. So it's it's very natural, um, especially because you don't have to go somewhere else to create it. You're already standing there. And it's just a natural sort of um, transition to create the content at that point. And it sounds like that goes back to your interest in photography and vi- video editing and mm-hmm. just kind of being creative in your own, your own person, your own, uh, yeah. your own messaging to deliver there. Yeah, for, for sure. It does. It does. So my, my, uh, my content for, for podcasting comes from people I know or, or, you know, run into in the field. And I just think they've got an interesting story to tell mm-hmm. or, something it's something i want to know so i often think of my podcast as just like my own personal diary and if you're interested listen to it but it's for me yeah <laughs> my podcast is for me so but i mean it's, it's for true tech tools but it's sort of like i'm sort of my life is interwoven in that so much too to to my wife's chagrin um because you know things like podcasting at eight eight o'clock at night it's like what are you doing 
Oh, come on. Yeah. It's, it's time yeah. to do it. And, and you've probably learned so much from interviewing oh. all these people, right? It, it's it's yeah, just it's knowledge. It's knowledge for you because you just you like the amount of stuff I've learned from interviewing people is unbelievable. It's 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 nuts. And that's what I wanted to ask you is because mm-hmm. your podcast is based on building science. And that's something that I'm I've over the last 10 months or so I've been really trying to learn more about we've had different guests on the podcast that are also into that like deep into that like really nerdy about it and stuff like that and like what is your I guess what is your uh definition of of building science well my my thing is um and other people say this in different ways but the the house or the building is the system Mm-hmm. That, that that you're trying to condition for, you know, there's, you know, you keep, keep the indoor climate correct, but you have to take into account what that envelope is and, and what it's made of, how it transfers heat, how it transfers air. If you don't take that into account, you're, you're sort of working with one big unknown in your equation mm-hmm. and you're probably not going to solve it except perhaps at the cost of energy or maybe even discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, and the discomfort aspect comes from the fact that, you know, I don't, I don't think systems are still like evolved completely. There are, there are a few rare cases and some people are doing it on their own now, like Nate Adams and Michael house are doing things where they're hot, not hot rodding, but they're putting together systems in their own houses that are sort of like what the next generation will be control of humidity, dehumidification, control of temperature, mm-hmm. control of mean radiant temperature of off the walls and surfaces, control of the sort of the drafts, the, the air velocity moving out of vents. Like the, the house that I built, my goal, and I don't think I've quite achieved it, but I've come close, is that I want the HVAC system, which includes ventilation as the V in, in the VAC, um, to be totally unnoticeable. Like you don't know it's there. It's just like, wait a minute, I'm comfortable. I'm still comfortable. Things have changed outside and I'm still comfortable. That that's that's what, to me what the ultimate system would be. And that's for residential. I know industrial refrigeration, some of the other work that you've probably done so much more in your career, th- those have certain like sort of operating set points. But for residential and even office space, it's about satisfying like the human needs for comfort, mm-hmm. which which go a little bit beyond just set points. Like a thermostat isn't going to make you comfortable. It's going to make the air temperature correct at that spot on the wall. That's right, yeah. But that might not be making you comfortable where you're at. Do, do you know Robert Bean? The name has come up, but I yeah. don't know him, no. Really, really cool guy. Um, that's where you know, he was one of my influencers as we designed our house a big impact hit two, two things was uh, mean radiant temperatures of the surfaces, like the windows and the walls so that heat isn't actually kind of radiating on your body or being sucked away from your body. And then the other thing was um, aging in place, single floor living. And he talked about some designs that he does like that. So we incorporated like those or two of the main factors we incorporated in, in the house that we built. So, can you explain that main uh, mean, mean radiant? Uh, yeah. Mean, yeah. Can you explain that a little bit more? Because I've never heard that term. Yeah. So it's like, like you know when you like put your hand near an oven, okay, you feel the warmth coming off the oven. Yeah. If if you can make it so the temperature of the walls is close to the temperature of the air, moving closer to a wall or further away from it won't feel any different than working in the space. I see. But as you get to like a colder wall that is that is that is losing a lot of heat, say in the wintertime, um, you're losing a lot of heat from a wall. That inner surface of the wall might be down to the interior temperature might be 72. The wall might be 67 or 62 or God forbid, like 50. You go near that wall. It's like, I don't want to be there. Your body yeah. kind of like rejects it or yeah. you got to put on extra clothing. And, and his his concept was if you. You're, you're built, you've, you've bought, you know, you've designed and you, you know, you're renting or you bought a house that there's part of that space you don't want to be in. So it's wasted, wasted real estate. 
wasted square footage. That's that's so a, instead a very good way to look at it. Instead, put it into making that that insulation and that air tightness so that that surface is at the air temperature. Now you've just purchased that real estate back. Yeah. So that would go into obviously the the construct like the the construction of the of the home, like the type of insulation you're using, the how many panes yeah. the windows have and all that kind of stuff. Right. In in the the air leakage, the air sealing and also um it's um you want to keep you want to have basically like a thermal blanket all the way around. Okay. You don't want to have areas that um, due to structural members in the wall that they they become like heat heat fins, kind of like a you know, like a coil or like mm-hmm. a, you know the, the the protrusions on a coil, uh, where where you you want to have a break in the thermal radiation in or out from a surface. Okay. So like like in our house we have I think it's an inch and a half of expanded polystyrene that's everywhere. There's a wall. There's still the wall. There's the sheathing. Then there's this expanded polystyrene, which is going to be like the the final sort of uh, down vest that's covering the whole house to keep heat out and keep heat in. Cool. So I got to ask you this because the, when you were building your house, mm-hmm. were you you obviously had to hire a contractor that was aware of all of this, or did did you hire? Or was it you that did, were you the GC on this or did you hire a consultant to come in and say, make sure that this is all done right as far as all this kind of stuff that you're talking about? So good question. I, I, I had two things working in my favor. One was, um, first was an interest in building a passive house, which is mm-hmm. a whole uh, large topic about, um, it's, it's a design concept that's started in the U.S., grew in Europe. Now it's growing again in the U.S., um, but about homes that you know basically interact passively with the with the energy grid that that they don't don't use as they generate as much on site as they use you know mm-hmm. perhaps okay um, so we were interested in that and we found a builder who was trained in that but hadn't built a house like that. Okay. So it's sort of like they understood all the concepts. They they had put in time to get in the training because they wanted to do projects like that. Plus, I had a friend for about the last ten or fifteen years, who was an energy rater, a home performance contractor, remodeler, and I hired him as my sort of energy consultant to to review the design, to review the house as it was built, and sort of be the third party quality control. Okay. From from like, an from an energy and durability aspect, mm-hmm. you know, water, heat, air, moisture management. That's the building science terms. It's a good one. Ham, if you like ham, heat, air, and moisture. Those, managing those three things can start you on the road about thinking about making a better performing building. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So, your your house is it? You you explain a passive home. Is your house a passive home? No, it doesn't meet all the criteria of okay. that. Um, the criteria to me is just it, it. it's expensive to build single family, sort of standalone in the field type of houses. Okay. Multifamily, it becomes a lot more economical because you have so many shared surfaces. I see. So you, you have less sort of uh, exposed wall area for the amount of residential space that's inside. But single family passive is is in our case, it was harder to do in a budget. So we, we approached it and we got, um, like one of the parameters is the air, air changes per hour, the air tightness of the house. There, there's a factor called CFM 50 leakage or ACH 50 air changes per hour at 50 Pascal's okay. test pressure. Um, the goal for passive house is 0.6. We achieved one. Oh, so <laughs> But, but the building code in the U.S., the tightest building code is three. So we're already three times better than the tightest building code in the U.S. for air tightness. Very cool. And does, does, does your home do any, is it any self-sustained energy? Like do you have solar panels? Do you have anything like that? that 
Yeah, we, we have um, solar panels that um, come pretty close to break even in terms of they generate as much over the course of a year that we use in the year. Oh, wow. So we, we end up, our utility allows us to bank the kilowatt hours. Okay. So like, even like the last few days, we've, we've had the, it's just been that shoulder season weather. We've had the windows open, you know, day, all day long, close them up at night, stays warm enough and everything. So we haven't run the HVAC for about four days. So our consumption is very low, but when it's sunny out, we're generating. And so the meter literally goes backwards. It's a net meter. Mm -hmm. uh, and they only bill us for the forward, you know, what we use beyond zero. So. Yeah. Cool. So I'm, I'm interested in the mechanical side that, that, that the mechanical mm -hmm. stuff you put in your home. Cause I've been learning a lot about this lately. Um, like for instance, heat pumps. Yeah. In, in place of natural gas fired equipment, but dual fuel as well, where you, you might use like a, a wall mounted boiler and, and have a hydronic coil that will heat your domestic water, but it also um, put water through the domestic coil. If the heat pump is having trouble keeping up, if it's really, really cold outside and uh, just, just different aspects like that. I'm, I've, I've been really learning about and enjoying learning about. So what sort of uh, mechanical systems did you put in your, your place? So we, we took, um, it's a little bit of a risk, but it hasn't turned out to be negative at all. We didn't bring any gas onto the property. Okay. And it's funny, last year, July, uh, the local gas company, their truck drove all the way up our driveway. I captured them in a security can, sat there for a minute, turned around and left. I was like, <laughs> they wanted to see like what the heck's going on up here. They didn't yeah. buy gas, but is it really yeah. a house up here? Yeah. Um, so, um, we, we did a, three different energy models of the house to sort of predict, will this, what will the load be for the design? Like what kind of system we need? And could we do it with a heat pump that was a high performance heat pump that worked down to low temperatures? So um, we, we um, have about, 2,800 square feet on a first and second floor and okay. 1,600 square feet in the basement. And the basement's conditioned too. It's it's not finished, finished, but it's, you know, it, it's a slab and walls and wallboard yep. and stuff. Um, so we're basically 4,400 square feet, but some of it's subgrade is what we condition. Uh, we were able to um, do fine last year, which was our first full year in the house. Uh, down to minus four Fahrenheit with a two-ton air source heat pump without running any resistance. Nice. So do you have so, backup just in case, like electric heat or anything like that? Yeah, there's. we did sort of like, you know, put a little um, precaution in there. We have a 10 kilowatt heating, which is basically okay. converts to around three tons. Okay. So... It could actually, if the heat pump just like lost a charge or whatever, or, you know, ice fell, but they couldn't, but, you know, say an ice bomb hit the outside, outside <laughs> unit, um, we could, we could run with the, uh, just the coils, but we, we set it. So I set it. So the coils were off all last year because I wanted to see, you know, is where, where's the balance point? Where do we start to slip and need, uh, auxiliary heat? Uh, we came close at minus four. The design temperature here is nine Fahrenheit, and we went down to minus four, and uh, basically didn't need the um, the backup. But we also we we're we're real friendly with the sun. Um, I calculated this the other week. We have sixty six percent of our um, window area is south facing of, of the, for the whole house. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of glass. And we have a slightly higher solar heat gain coefficient, so we're actually pulling energy in in the winter time. So we're we're sort of cheating the heat pump thing, but we have a a tight structure, well insulated, good amount of solar gain in the winter, and then with that two ton air source heat pump, we could do it. So that going back to the house as a system, mm -hmm. you see how that comes together with mm -hmm. the glazing, the insulation, the air tightness, all these things working together. Yeah. That's, that's, um, that's pretty cool. So what about ventilation? Are you doing any ERV, HRV? Yeah, have to. 
um, because it's so tight. Yeah. So what what I found, um, it's a product that's been out there for about a decade. It's called uh, Serve 2, (coughs) C-E-R-V. It's a conditioning ERV. Uh, It's a separate unit, and the ventilation system has separate ducting. So the ventilation pulls the return, or we call it the exhaust, basically, from the kitchen, the bathrooms, uh, the laundry room, and a a large closet. So sort of all the stale or air you want to take out. Yeah. Supplies go into the bedrooms in my office. Okay. Because I'm full of hot air. (laughs) So, um, but I'm in here so much that I wanted, you know, you know, eight hours a day, nine hours a day, I want to have the fresh air in here. So that system actually has a, um, a third of a ton heat pump in it. So beyond just exchanging air, it can actually extract the energy from the air, either leaving or entering to, to move it to the, the exhaust air. Mm-hmm. And it does a little dehumidification too. So in the summertime, the exhaust, the cold air going out blows over a coil that coil and then then again transfers over and it cools down the air coming in and it dehumidifies the air coming in yeah i, I that's that's cool I, I like that idea that the whole concept of that to temper the air uh to, to make it uh, a little bit more easier on the the system once the air gets inside i th- i think the when did I have this conversation? Probably before Christmas. I don't know if you've heard of them, but the company's called Oxygen Eight, and they do yeah. ER, they, they they do that kind of stuff too. And you can James actually James Dean, pre- yeah, I know him. Yeah. You can actually pre-order the um, the the equipment with a, like a Dakin evaporator installed in it. So you yep. you put you pipe it over to a condensing unit, and it will maintain whatever temperature you want coming coming into that home from the. Uh, from the, the supply going to the, to the ERV. So if it's yep, to the ventilation but, air. Sure. Yeah. So, so, so if it is like minus four outside Fahrenheit, uh, you can temper that air and, and bring it up to put less stress on the, the system in, in the house, which yep. is pretty cool. Cool. So, so this is, um, how long did this whole concept take the design, the build and everything before you got in there? Um, it, the design really started, in like January of 18. Um, and it was, it was, the house was built, actually it was factory built. I don't know if you knew that as a modular build. Yeah. I've, so, I've heard you say that yeah. before. So it was actually built in pieces in a, in a factory. Is that, right. is that yeah. how it four, four big boxes. Okay. So it's called volumetric modular. There's also other kinds of modular where they're like panelization and things like this, but mm-hmm. this is like the full volume of four boxes of all that above ground square footage was built in a factory and mm-hmm. hauled over on a truck. Um, that, that actually took a month to build the four modules in October of, um, of 19. Um, and we didn't like, we were working on the design from January to August. And in August we signed like final design, you know, concepts, design notes to the factory because mm-hmm. they had to, buy all the material, do all the planning. Yep. And this is also all pre-pandemic. So there was uh, not a lot of stress on, you know, in terms of getting materials and stuff, but it came probably delivered about 85% done. So doors were installed, windows installed, um, no appliances, but counters were installed, cabinets were installed, bathroom fixtures, um, flooring, rugs, that's, Much that's, of it was painted. That's pretty. That, that is. That's pretty cool. So, what made you decide to go that route instead of having it built right in place? Um, well, a the the builder understood these energy concepts. Okay. And that was pretty much the only way they built. So it's like we we build modular and we understand energy and like oh that's cool. Uh, well, let's take a factory tour. So they just had one lined up, you know, just by accident. We went and saw some. Saw actually the builders father and son, the son was building his modular house at the time we toured the factory. So mm-hmm. we got to see his modules. A couple months later, they were setting them on site. We got to see the setting day. Then we went back and while we were meeting to design our house, we were inside his house. So it's sort of like everything he did showed us that it could be done very well, executed very well. And in fact, my energy auditor friend, his name is Rhett Major, he and I said to the 
to the sun. We want to test your house. We want to do a blow door test in your house. We want to see how you build your house because <laughs> I want to have mine. You know, c- can you do it? In other words, and he's like, yeah, I think I think we can do it. So we went ahead and tested his house, and it came out around one ACH fifty, mm-hmm. which is where I wanted to have mine. It's like, okay, you can build them that way. So let's let's do it. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, I I would love to build my own house one day. That's that's kind of a dream that myself and my wife have, but um it's not within reach just yet, but maybe mm-hmm. maybe maybe a couple years, a few years down the road we'll see. Uh but it's it's definitely a dream to to do something like that because like I said, it's not uh comes back to the not taking direction from from other people like when you go and yeah. buy a, buy a home like it's like okay, there's the house, it's already built like that. You go to a builder in a new subdivision. Okay. Here's our models. Um, there's not really any way to customize them. There is to a certain extent, but not really anything major. So it would be super cool from scratch to go to a builder, say, this is what I want. This is how I want it designed. And, 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 and just go from there and just build it from scratch. I think it would be a very cool process. It, it was cool. I mean, this, we had to work, of course, within the limits of the factory size for the module. And actually, like literally, what could they bring up to the property? How big mm-hmm. of a box could they bring in on a trailer up mm-hmm. to the property? Yeah. So the, our, our modules were 64 feet long, um, 14 feet wide, and 11 feet tall. And they were able to to bring it in up this road. But the, the other thing about designing your own, it, it's... Um, you have to be able to, to like kind of visualize the yeah. space and yep. the layout. Mm-hmm. And if it's significantly different than what you're living in or, or friends of yours or relatives of yours, you have to like, you know, kind of question that. And and some people are really good at space visualization mm-hmm. and other people need to see it physically, you mm-hmm. know, the model of it. So yeah, it, was, it wasn't entirely easy to do that. There were some things like, well, you know, we see this little image on a screen that's what it's going to look like. Um, well, that's a 3d rendering. So it's going to get easier with, uh, I don't know if you've ever put a set of, uh, Oculus mm. goggles on, but I mean, that's all coming. They're going to design yeah. a house that you can walk right through before you buy it very, very soon. It, oh, you're absolutely right. And, um, is it, um, interplay? You think yep. you know them? Yeah. Yep. Doug Donovan's company, um, been at a couple shows and put those goggles on. That's like, that's just totally wild. Yeah. It, 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 it is, it's very, I was just, I just had them on in March and, and I was like perplexed. I'm like, wow. Like I got on my knees and I'm like looking up and I'm like, I can even <laughs> look up inside of things. Tilt, it tilting was, your head. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was amazing. But I like both my, my older son and my middle son both have a set of Oculus quest. Um, and my son gave them to me. He's like, look at this. And I'm like, I put them on and he's like, this is like 360 view. And basically, I, you do a 360, and it, it's I was in Egypt, like looking at the pyramids, and then we go to another video, and I'm in uh, Africa, and there's this elephant. I'm laying on the floor, and there's this elephant basically walks over me, and it's it's, it's tusk is swinging and almost like hitting me like in the face. It was it's wild. I can see why kids really gravitate towards them, and um, I was watching. I stuck them on and put on a, a YouTube video, but you can go to this mode where it's like you're sitting in a movie theater. It's actually like you're sitting in a movie theater. The screen is massive in front of you. Hmm. And I, it was just, it, it's wild. So, I mean, it's kind of dangerous in a way, maybe, uh, because who knows what's coming with these goggles. Like people will go, be, they won't be going on vacation anymore. They'll be sitting in a, right. yeah. <laughs> in a room with some goggles on. They'll put you to, I don't know, they'll, they'll, they'll put you in a, in a bit of a, in a nice relaxing state, they'll put some goggles on you and you'll be on holiday. Put you in a trance. <laughs> yeah. So if you're, uh, you're good, I'm good. I just yeah. wanted to get, yeah. get you on here and, uh, Oh, it was a great, share, it was a great some ideas with you. Yeah. I can't, yeah. We went for it. That hour just blew by. Yeah. Okay. Um, why don't we, um, I'll get to just mention the producer to cut out that last kind of weird message. And we'll, then we'll just kind of like, we'll do a little wrap here. We'll start now and sure. do a little wrap yep. up. Okay. Yep. Yep. Well, Gary, it's been fun having you on the podcast and um, 
thanks for agreeing to do this kind of mutual uh, sharing of both podcasts. Hope this works out well for you. Oh yeah. It was great talking to you, Bill. And like you and I have spoke through messaging and email and stuff yeah, like that. We've never, we've never actually sat down face to face was as close as face to face as we're going to get. So it was, it yeah. was really cool talking to you and getting to know you better. Sounds good. Well, take care. And uh, I want to thank the listeners on both podcasts for uh, yeah, spending some you. time with, with Gary and I. All right, guys, for those of you that stick to the end, as usual, thank you very much for doing so. Bill's an awesome guy, very knowledgeable, and that house of his is pretty cool. So I hope you guys learned something here. This was a conversation that I've wanted to have with Bill for a very long time, and we finally did it. So that's it, guys. We're going to wrap this up. Thank you once again to the Master Group. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.